how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. In the femme fatale genre, an attractive or seductive woman is often the protagonist. Her goal? To cause distress or disaster to a man who becomes involved with her. This is the underlying subject of the new dark comedy, Me You Madness, from Louise Linton. The film stars Louise, where she's also the screenwriter and director. The second half of this two-hander, Ed Westwick, from Gossip Girl and White Gold, plays Tyler Jones, the unfortunate prey of the protagonist. Officially, the description reads, A young thief cases an architectural dream house in Malibu, not realizing it's the home of an eccentric female serial killer. In this interview, Louise talks about her influences for the film, what she loves about Hollywood fast speak, and why it's so important to have a top-notch assistant director. Ed talks on the surprising innocence of the movie, what attracted him to the role, and gives advice for young actors. Well, Brock, I've always been a big fan of femme fatales and the femme fatale genre. I even rewatched Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction last night, as I as I do often. Um, and there are other movies that I've loved that like have a lot of these great femme fatales, like Jean Tierney in Leave Her to Heaven, uh, Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. And so I wanted to create a femme fatale comedy because I didn't think that's been done before. Ed, tell me a little bit about your involvement. What kind of attracted you to the film and about your character as well? Yeah, so um, my manager called me and she said, uh, you know, I've got this script and uh, she'd known Louise for uh, a while. And I said, okay, cool. Took a look at the script. I was like super excited and shocked and all of these wonderful emotions, the kind of things that you'd want to feel, right? And um, I said, I've got to meet the woman who, who wrote this. So I went and met Louise and we sat down, we had a great initial conversation. She explained the vision to me and uh, I thought, okay, I've got to go on this ride, you know? And um, I was up for the challenge and it certainly was a challenge in places, you know? I mean, essentially it's us two throughout the whole movie. There were some other characters, but it's a real two-hander. And I think that was something that I hadn't really done before, along with it being a comedy. So 
they were um, all new things for me to do. So uh, very, very cool. Louise, what was the big challenge of writing, acting, and directing? Was there anything unexpected that you had to face making this <laughs> uh, I have a running list of um, mistakes I made and lessons I learned along the way. Um, I had, I had uh, written other screenplays, but I never made any of them. And this was the first one that um, I made and uh, I, I directed. And obviously, as a first-time director, you, you have a lot of challenges to face. Um, and... Um, I would say, you know, the, the, the greatest challenge was learning a lot of the technical aspects of directing, uh, learning about different lenses, different cameras, and having to create all of my shot lists and storyboards. Um, and I was very, very hands-on in terms of lighting and um, uh, costumes, everything. I sort of had a, a finger in every aspect of it. But I do know that as challenging as directing is, I've fallen in love with it. Ed, I saw you did a short in 2020 called Tether. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Were you trying, are you also approaching projects where you can see yourself as an actor, writer, director? Um, well, you know what happened, man, is I was inspired by the lady next to me. I saw her just absolutely, you know, doing some great things and wearing all these different hats and getting the job done and doing it with grace and, um, and kindness and, and to a very, very high level. So I was like, you know, why don't I try it? Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm not as good. No, uh, I, I decided to go with a short. Um, I was a little less ambitious, let's put it that way, than um, Louise. But I had a great time doing that. And um, I would love to, uh, love to try my hand at directing a feature, yeah. So you kind of mentioned uh, your vision, Louise, but was there ever a point where like this feels too far like what did you guys talk about in terms of theme and tone was it always meant to just kind of be silly or what were some of those ideas you know I, I wanted this to be a farcical anti-plot you know I grew up watching Leslie Nielsen movies and my favorite all-time film is Airplane I really enjoy wacky comedy where it's it's so it's so it's so insane that it's implausible <laughs> and that just that just is, tickles my funny bone. Like that, I just find those movies very, very funny and I like farcical anti-plots. And I really wanted this to be a parody and, um, and a satire. I think that, I'll just, I'll just say something on that. I think in a strange way, it's ironic, the film is incredibly innocent, you know, with all of this stuff that's going on in it. It's so over the top in places that it has an innocence to it. Like when you're a child and you're playing around, you yeah. know, you're, you know, doing whatever, playing with little weapons or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all in jest. And yeah. so that's what I feel comes across in the film. It's innocent in itself. What are maybe some of those uh, lessons you learned as a writer-director that you're taking with you possibly to the next film? Is there any advice you might have for a first-time writer-director? Yes, I would say shot list, shot list, shot list, <laughs> storyboard, 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 storyboard. You want to arrive on set um, so prepared, especially if it's an independent film and you don't have a huge number of days. I mean, uh, we had very, very long days, but th the more preparation you can do ahead of shooting, the better prepared you're going to be. You need to work with an assistant director who really supports you, really gets your vision. And also, um, you know, have an incredible relationship with your director of photography. Make sure that you've researched 
their prior work, have long conversations about saturation, hue, color, how you want the film to feel. And, you know, I spent, um, I spent a few months really going through my shot lists with my, with my director of photography, talking about how much the neon Tron vibe meant to me and um, how much I wanted to use quasars and other uh, neon lighting techniques to really give the film that sort of 80s feeling. And so for, any, for anyone that wants to direct, just the more preparation you do, the better. And make sure also that you um, are hiring people that are fun and easy to get along with. Are there some other um, maybe themes or ideas you had to separate yourself from those like Leslie Nelson comedies? Like does a farce today need to be more like sexy and vivid? Or what are some other ideas that might separate that from the farce of the past? Well, to, to me, as the, the, the aesthetic style of film is so important to me. And I really enjoy um, seeing directors and being able to see a film and know immediately that's Wes Anderson or that's Tarantino or that's definitely Michael Bay. Um, and I, I, I like being able to see a director's thumbprint. And I think as I go forward, if I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to direct more films, um, I think that, that stylistically speaking, I really enjoy dazzling, bright uh, style, color, um, bright, bright, brilliant, fun lighting, um, a really dazzling palette, lots of tone and hue and fashion and action. I just, I wanted this film to just sort of be, um, you know, sort of a kaleidoscope. And I, and I think in future, when I do future movies, I'd like them to have that same dazzling fun and, and brightness. And also the music is really important to me. We've got about 18 to 20 great big 80s hits in this film. And um, I think that, that when you have these recognizable nostalgic songs in place of perhaps, you know, score or original score, you know, you're, you're sort of leaning on the, the, the sentimentality and that nostalgia that people feel when they hear Maniac or Footloose or the Pointer Sisters. Ed, what are some of the benefits of working with a director who's also an actor? Do you find more of a connection there, more of an understanding about how an actor may be thinking about a scene? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think you have an understanding with each other when it comes to performance and possibly a shorthand and you develop that quickly. And you're also kind of in tune with each other's chemistry. Uh, and you know what each other kind of needs. You know, you know what it's like to be, uh, you speak the same language. Um, that's a massive benefit of that. Uh, and of course, I was aware that Louise, you know, had this other job, as it were, um, and had so many other things going on, so many different people asking questions. <laughs> so I was thinking, okay, God, I know when I'm just acting kind of you mouth of concentration or uh, energy that's required to do that. And I was kind of sympathetic, obviously. So I just tried to help out uh, as much as I could um, when it came to that, you know? Ed was, is, was unbelievably supportive to me and we just immediately got each other and had this great banter. And we rehearsed a lot because there's a lot of very uh, complex back and forth ping pong dialogue. Um, another movie reference that I love is His Girl Friday, where I first saw that sort of old Hollywood fast speak. And I really wanted us to be able to recreate that. But as we were rehearsing, we, it, just more ideas came to us. And so in many ways, like 
he was he was a co-pilot as well as just the actor uh, and I learned a lot from Ed because I haven't had as much experience um, in in acting as Ed has and so I actually learned a lot from him. Do you guys have any other advice for maybe if someone wants to make maybe even a, a smaller independent film that's mostly a two-hander about how to work on some of those like chemistry reads and development pieces together like if it's really just two people in the room any more advice on and kind of collaborating that way? I think it all comes down to script, don't you think? Yeah, one of the things about this script is that, you know, it was the ultimate icebreaker, you know, because it's just like <laughs> when you, you absorb the material, you know, you're not going to be kind of, you know, stiff with each other after that, you know, you're going to be like, okay, I really need to just like let it out, you know, and so that's what this piece did. It did it for me anyway. It was very freeing, you know, in order to kind of make this material sing. It, 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 you, you wanted to be free and relaxed and you had to have that with each other, which you touched on, it is a, a two-hander pretty much. And so, yeah. I'd say that um, now there's no reason that, that, that anyone who dreams of being a filmmaker can't accomplish that dream because there's iPhones, you can shoot on iPhones. There's plenty of lighting technology that you can acquire very inexpensively. And um, so, you know, start, start to play, use your iPhone. I mean, you know, uh, Soderbergh made a movie on an iPhone 6, so I think anyone that dreams of being a filmmaker, just go for it. There's no reason why you can't. There's no limitations anymore. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at writerfieldnotes.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.